The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is jericho the pot of thunder and rock and roll the remedy for boredom has arrived let's go for a ride with larry king and his lovely wife sean king they're doing a podcast together on podcast one it's called back and forth with sean and larry king they're interviewing people they're talking to each other and today You'll hear all about the inner workings of their relationship. You'll hear what Larry thinks of his wife as an interviewer. He's got some thoughts on ACDC, social media, hanging out with the presidents, including JFK, and the one celebrity who left Larry King starstruck. He couldn't even talk, man. Exactly. And my other guest, well, we just had WWE Extreme Rules, and my old friend Lance Storm is going to go through the matches, the highlights, the lowlights, the quality of the show. I might as well do it right now. All right, so this past week we had the 2015 Extreme Rules pay-per-view available on the WWE Network, and you're an idiot if you bought it on pay-per-view, according to the WWE. And uh, with me right now to discuss, analyze, and uh, tear apart one of the most honest men in the wrestling business, which is an anomaly, my old buddy Lance Storm. Uh, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. And thankfully, I got the uh, the pay per view on the network, so I'm not an idiot. Yeah, it always it makes me laugh though, because they're really doing the hard sell. Or if you have bought this pay per view in this archaic, old school way, that you're really they're basically saying you're stupid. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't know why you want to insult fans. Just be happy they're buying your product. <laughs> That's from this day and age, right? So, did, so uh, did you see the whole show? You watched everything? Yeah, I watched it on delay, but I watched the whole show. What did you think of the show as a whole? Um, I think as long as you don't think too hard, it was pretty good. Yeah, and I, you know what, man? I think that that's kind of the secret to to wrestling in general. I mean, what you just said is the uh, is the motto. It's like the meaning of life as a wrestling fan. If you don't think too much, most of the time it's actually pretty fun. Yeah, I, I wish we could think a little bit more, but I think if you want to enjoy it, which you know generally is you know the, the goal with entertainment, mm-hmm. uh, you have to. Put your, your brain in your back pocket a little bit and just enjoy it as best you can. And I think if you do that, it was a pretty good show. There were a few things that I found frustrating, but... Well, we'll get into that. And make a note of the things that you found frustrating. I'm sure you'll bring it up. But before we start, I wanted to ask you, how do you like watching um, the pay-per-views or anything via the WWE Network? Um, I love the on-demand aspect of it. I've got a busy life mm-hmm. um, with you know two kids and a wife. It, it gets hard to 
sit down at an appropriate time and watch it. So being able to just grab my iPad and move it and do what I want. Um, I ended up watching a lot of this show doing cardio this morning. So I find it really easy, and I, I like I, I like the network for its uh, travelability, I guess. I think a lot of people are starting to figure that out now and find that out because I just started getting into the network, I guess, probably around the beginning of the year. And, and I was like you. It's like, ah, or, or maybe not like you, but at first I was like a lot of people is what I meant to say, and that you're like, well, I don't know if I want to get the network, and what is this really, and how good is it going to be, and it's too much hassle. But then all it takes is just signing up and watching one show and you realize just how convenient it is. And I think that now that the word is getting out and people are starting to understand it, it, it's got nothing but a huge, huge future ahead of it. And I think they're going to be making money hand over fist probably the next year or two when it jumps from a million to two million to three million. I think pretty much any fan will probably start getting to this very quickly. I think once you realize that 10 bucks is not a lot of money in the course of a week. Like, most people spend more than that on coffee in a day or two. Right. And as long as there's one show on it that you like, it's worth it. Yeah, exactly. Whether you, whether you like NXT or whether you like the pay-per-views or whether you just like the specials, they like your podcast segment. If you watch more than two shows a month on the network, it's 10 bucks. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's nothing. You know, it's nothing. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it really is. But let's start with the show. Um, did you watch the pre-show match with Barrett and Neville? I, I did not. I, okay. I joined at the start of the pay-per-view. I watched the, that match, and it's, it, it's, it's funny to me because, I mean, it was a, a, an amazing match because, you know, Neville is one of those rare guys. He's very explosive. He does the stuff that, that no one's ever seen or hasn't seen, you know, very regularly. And you can never replace Rey Mysterio. And I know they were trying so hard with Sin Cara and trying to find another, you know, luchador, another Mexican guy. I think they might have found another guy with the same quality of, of wrestling style as Neville and kind of stumbled upon him. Now, obviously, Neville doesn't have the, the gimmick that Ray did, but as far as just being a, a, a performer, he's the next closest thing that I've seen in a long time to a guy like Ray Mysterio. And I think the key to that is he's not too close. Right. When you try to go with a luchador with a mask, it's just you can't replace Ray with Ray. There's there's no one that's Ray. Where Neville, he's English, he's looks different, he moves different, but he has that same special quality. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I like most about Neville is even if he didn't fly, his groundwork and his wrestling is really great too. Yeah, well, got, he's got that English background, you know, and, and that's another thing that I really enjoy about that match, especially with Barrett. I know you didn't see it, but. Barrett has that style, too. I mean, Barrett is very much, you know, I, I don't want to compare him to, like, a William Regal or a Finley because it's a different animal, but he has that very believable quality to him, uh, especially when working with a smaller guy, even though Neville's jacked. I mean, that guy's massive. His genetics are insane. But it was a really cool, hard-hitting, hard-nosed, English-style match that you would see if you were over, you know, in London or over in Bremen or something along those lines. Yeah, they're, they're, they're both really talented. I'm a big fan of both. Uh, okay, so then the actual pay-per-view starts, and it's the street fight with, with Ambrose and, and Luke Harper. Uh, one of those ones that they, you know, kind of like the Gold Dust Roddy Piper, where they probably filmed some of it beforehand. They started it, they stopped it. Um, what did you think of this? Um, I, I thought it was a, a, a neat idea, having them leave. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have liked to have just seen something when they were gone whether we could have got a, a, a camera following them somewhere. It just, it, it took away from, and this is my, my overall view with the show, it, it was sort of hokey and, and funny and lighthearted when they left. 
And when it's supposed to be extreme and it's a Chicago street fight, I think it hurt the violence element that these types of matches should have. Mm-hmm. But it was an interesting idea that didn't really help the match any. Well, I mean, and that's anytime you have a match that starts and stops that way. I remember they used to do it with the hardcore title, or you have to go backstage for those type of things. Whenever you take the, the, the match out of the arena, especially when it's in front of such a. I mean, the Chicago crowd is universally recognized as one of the best crowds. Uh, you know, in the world, as far as you go to Chicago, the city itself, you know, it's always going to be crazy. And by taking it out of the arena, that does hurt it a little bit because you're, you're losing that connection. Yeah, you lose the emotion, and, and that's too where these type of matches, you need that emotion. You need to be able to get into it. And by just having the big intermission, for lack of a different term, right in the middle of your match, it, it does kill the flow. Uh, and your emotional investment a little bit. So it, it, the leaving was a neat idea on paper, but I don't think it translated well. What do you think of those two guys? I'm a big fan of both. Mm-hmm. Um, I the the two trips. I think it was the two trips. The two trips I did to NXT um, and FCW as a guest trainer. Harper was down there, um, and I became a big fan of the guy then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this was well before he was on TV. Um, so I think he's a really talented guy. And Ambrose has he has that something special that. You can't teach and you can't really explain. He just has it. Yeah, I find with, with Ambrose, he's got that Jeff Hardy X factor. By almost almost not caring, he has made this really huge, cool character because he is very nonchalant. When you talk to the guy, he barely raises his, his voice over you know over a whisper, and he chooses his words carefully, and he's kind of really awkward in a social situation. But he's, he's a great guy, just like Jeff, and he brings that to the table within the ring. Yeah, and I think to really connect, you've got to be something special. You know what I mean? Rock had it. Jeff Hardy had it. And all different levels, obviously. Right. But Dean Ambrose has that. He's different. It's like he's, he's not somebody that you meet every day in your life, and it's like it's like a cool guy you'd like to hang around with because he's, he's different. Yeah. He, he really works. He's got something special. Eccentric would might be the word, you know? Uh, yeah. Then we move on to the... Uh... And I love when they put these stipulations out there. Okay, so it's the kiss my arse match, right? Sheamus and Dolph Ziggler. There's no way you can win with a finish like that. So you know it has to be some kind of a, of a, of a screw job or a kabuki type finish because you can't put two guys that are kind of in the primes of their careers and have them kiss the other's uh, ass. It doesn't work. And why they book the, paint themselves in that corner, it always, it always makes me wonder. Yeah, the, the match itself I thought was good. Um, and the post-match, up until they didn't deliver the stipulation, I thought was so fantastic. Mm-hmm. To me, that dynamic of the heel getting caught with the, oh, crap, you know what I mean? And right. him selling it. It's like the, the old-school manager that has to you know, get in the ring for the five more minutes, and it's that the three-minute stall of him getting in is the real entertainment part. And I thought Sheamus did a phenomenal job of of selling it and building it up, and they were both really into it. I'm like, this is what I love about wrestling. It's so fun. And then they screwed me, and I really left a bitter taste in my mouth. I, I, I would have rathered him reluctantly done it and then broke kicked him. Hmm. So they at least delivered the stipulation. But you, when you when you rob us, I, I, it, it leaves a bitter taste in my mouth. You know, that's actually a pretty interesting point. Because, I mean, obviously, Seamus is coming back as the big, you know, killer heel and as he should, you know, he, he needed a, and we're, we're going to be talking to him on Friday, and he tells us about how he needed a, uh, a gimmick change and a gimmick update 
So I was like, there's no way Seamus can kiss the ass. And of course, Ziggler, if he kisses the ass as the baby face, especially with the history he said he's dead, but it would have been interesting for Seamus to have to do that and then just kill Ziggler, like kick his ass even worse than he did. Um, that that, that might have worked better. I think, I think you're right about that. It's a good point. Yeah, because I, I, there was a, a lot of stipulations that weren't strictly honored on this show, and I, I think that hurts when you're selling a stipulation show. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree, and especially when, like you said, with the look he could have had on his face, and you know, I, I, I'm sure it's one of those things where they want him to to be the killer heel, and that's cool. But then don't put him in this in this situation in the first place. You know. Yeah, but, but I, I think too, as a heel, sometimes having to do something like that can add to your heat because it gives them something for the crowd to get on him, especially if he's going to go on a tear and destroy people then they've got that one thing that they can, you know, get on them about. It's much like when, you know, when a, when a heel tapped out and the crowd did the you tapped out. It just gives you that universal heat you can use going forward. And as long as, you know, it was a, a schoolboy or a roll-up that got a small package that got him. So it's like he didn't get bested physically. And the fact that he left, you know, while, while Ziggler was laying, I think he could have reluctantly yeah. done a quick peck on the cheek of uh, Ziegler's button that wouldn't have killed him. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And it would add a different dimension to the character. But So the new tag team champions, uh, New Day beating Kidd and Cesaro. Uh, what did you think? I thought this was the match of the night. I thought this was fantastic. I, I have to agree with you on that. And I'll tell you my reasons after you, you tell me yours. It was just, it was action-packed. It felt fresh. Um, it was exciting, it was up-tempo, and I think as much as, you know, we, everyone likes to say that New Day sucks, I think they just mean the gimmick does. The guys are actually really great, mm-hmm. and now that the gimmick is them as heels, it's, it's a great gimmick, too. It felt like everyone in the match, at the end of the match, I liked all of them more, and if you can get everybody in the match more over, um, and the quality was good, it was exciting, I just thought it was fantastic. I agree with you, and I'll tell you the reasons why uh, on my end. The moment New Day, because I've been obviously a fan of Kofi's for years, never had a bad match with the guy, and Big E as well. Big E is really, really good. And talking with Xavier Woods, I know this guy's very smart. He's into his passionate. The moment those guys walked in with the New Day, I was thinking to myself, that is the worst babyface gimmick I've ever seen in my life. But... It will be one of the best heel gimmicks. I told them that. Like, I said, this, this is a babyface. Yeah, we're going to do this. I said, you, this, is, this is not a good babyface gimmick. But when it turns heel, you guys are going to be loving it. And they, I, I don't know if they really understood what I was saying. And I'd have to say that Vince McMahon, in the back of his mind, knew that. Because why else would you put that gimmick on TV as a babyface? It's terrible. It's a terrible gimmick. Yeah, and it's, it's funny, too. And it, more so today than before. And I, I know you've, you've mentioned this to me before way back when. It's like the best way to get over as a babyface is start as a heel. Yes. And in a lot of cases now, the best way to be a heel is to start as a babyface. Absolutely. And it, it, it certainly worked for, for New Day. And the, the spot of the match for me, and it was the, probably the least exciting for most people, but I just thought it was brilliant. And I no doubt they come up with it on house shows. But it was when uh, Kid and Cesaro were stomping... I think it was Biggie. I don't remember which. It doesn't matter which one. They're stomping down Kofi in the corner, and they were stomping to the beat of the New Day Stuck chant. <laughs> yeah. And it's like the crowd, I'm like, this is just brilliant. 
<laughs> it's like that uh, Shaun of the Dead when they're beating the zombie up to the to the Queen music. Dan, 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 you know. And that's the thing that I love, too, is that I think Kid and Cesaro, to me, have really big potential as kind of a, I'm not, I'm, uh, bear with me here, as a modern-day rockers. As in this tag team that has all of these cool double teams, and they're two great workers together, and they kind of were dismissed at first. I think, you know, Cesaro, we've heard all the trials and tribulations about not having personality, and, and, and Tyson is the same. But now they're getting over just because they're so damn good. They're so entertaining. You know, they're, they're you know, giant swing into the dropkick type stuff. That, that, that's great, great stuff that people like to see. It's very explosive. Yeah, and, and the crowd's going with them. They really like I, I just Yeah. I can't say enough about that match. I, that made the show for me. I agree, and I was really happy for all four, and especially the New Day guys, because I would see them backstage when I was back this summer. And it's disheartening when you're, you know, and, and I know how it feels, and I'm sure you do too, when you're the you're the miscast babyface, and you know people are just hating you, and there's nothing you can do about it. But thankfully, the, the WWE Brain Trust saw that and just had them do the exact same thing and let the people change it. And now you wait and see. They're going to be big, big heels and I'm excited about the tag team division because those guys, it reminds me of the Usos against Wyatt, uh, the Wyatt family in the summer. where They had great matches like 10 weeks in a row, and I think these guys will be the same. And I think, too, that the, I was so glad that they did the title switch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the last year or so, there's been a lot of pulling the trigger at the wrong time where it just felt like it was the time to do it and they held off. Or they did it too soon. Yeah. And it's like, I think if New Day didn't win, they... It would hurt their credibility with, oh, they just suck. Right, right, The fact that they walked out with those titles and did that great celebration, it's like, I think it really gave them what they needed at the exact moment they needed it. Yeah, it was perfect timing for that. And and that's, like you said, if you just close your eyes and don't think too much, wrestling ain't rocket science. But sometimes, you know, everybody thinks too much and they wait and that's what happens. But... Um, look, let's move on to the chain match with Rusev versus Cena. This is the third pay-per-view match they've had in a row. They announced last night that there's going to be a fourth match uh, next pay-per-view. Chain matches are not easy matches to have. No, and, and they're even harder to have in a PG environment. How do you mean? To me, and this is where the, the match struggled for me, is that with the bright lights of WWE and the... You know the the bright lights on the top of the turnbuckles, and the, I mean like the red, the green light or whatever. Green light, yeah. red light. That it, it feels a little cartoony, even yeah. down to the fact that this unbreakable Russian chain. You very clearly saw them use Velcro to attach it. <laughs> that yeah. to, to you know back you know harkening back to you know Ivan Koloff, Nikita Koloff, where it's like. They'd beat people to death. It'd be bloody, and they'd be all tied up, and it'd be violent. And you'd get into the, you know, oh, my God, the violence of these two beasts tied together. But when you can't do that violent, it becomes a tug-of-war. Yeah, good point. Yeah, And and it reminded me of when they first started the Elimination Chamber, when they would play this uh, who-wants-to-be-a-millionaire deal-or-no-deal music before the next pod opened up. It'd be like... Do, 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 or something like that. It just, it kills. Remember that? Remember that? It, yeah, it was in the afternoon before the show, and it's like the light show and the music <laughs> starts, and everybody's like, they're not really going to do that, are they? 
yeah, it's like the most dangerous structure ever built, and let's play, you know, Alex Trebek's theme song before somebody comes out. And I find that with the change match, because I remember, you know, like the famous Piper versus Valentine Russian chain match where there's bleeding and there's, you know, but this one, it, like you said, it seems like A, like a tug of war, and B, like a scavenger hunt. Okay, I've touched the first one. Oh, now I have, and, you know, um, it, it's it's a tough tough match to have. I think those guys have good chemistry. I'm glad it's not the last match, but I'm also a little bit scared. It seems like they might be working towards some kind of a split between Lana and Rusev. Yeah, that's... It seems way too soon. Yeah. It felt just out of the blue. Even just to tease it. Yeah, but even just the about face in in the character dynamic. Yeah. You know, she's been ordering him around. You know, Rusev, caution! He He does her bidding. And then all of a sudden she's timid and he's yelling at her. And I'm like, when did this happen? Yeah, good point. Good it just, point. It just felt rushed. It's like inevitable. Like, you, you know it's going to happen, but it just seems that both are better served being together at the moment. Well, yeah, and especially with that dynamic, if you're going to go into the Elizabeth Macho Man dynamic, or maybe that's what they want to do. But what is what is what was babyface Elizabeth when she was away from Macho? What would babyface Lana be if she's away from Rusev? And the reason why I say this is a couple years ago when they had Alberto Del Rio and his ring announcer Ricardo Rodriguez, uh, it was a great act. You you haven't seen anything like it. And when they broke them up, Alberto was less off for it, and Ricardo was basically gone, done. Yeah, I, I would see that and raise Miz and Alex Riley and Miz and Mizdow. Yeah, good point. You're right. Some, sometimes it's the act that works, and there might be. I, I don't know what you do with her once they split up because she can't feud with them. And if she's just the next diva, yeah, she loses her her uh, uniqueness. Uh, hey, I'll even throw in there Virgil and Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. Same thing happened too. Yep, <laughs> Virgil. At least Virgil got to wrestle for years later. Look, look, I'm going to give you an ombar. Look, look, I'm looking. I'm looking right at you. Stop saying that. You would always talk that way. Look, 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 I'm going to give you a, a big a big hip toss. Look, 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 look. drop kick. All right, I'm looking. I'm here. Uh, next, uh, we had Nikki Bella versus Naomi for the Divas title. What did you think of the girls this, this, uh, this night? Nothing against what they did, but just the way this match was booked, I didn't know why I should care. In what way? Well, the the Bellas were in the babyface role, and they've been despicable, horrible heels for about a year and a half. And Naomi turned heel by pointing out the obvious truth that she's been pinning the Bellas, and she's not the one getting the title shot, and she's upset about it. So I'm like, well, Naomi's right. And the <laughs> fact that she comes out with new gear and new entrance, and I'm like, I want to like her. Yeah. And I don't know why I'm supposed to like Nikki because they haven't given me a reason to. So whenever Naomi's, you know, got Nikki in a hold, I'm like, I don't want to cheer for her. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't liked her for the last year and a half. <laughs> and because of that, I just couldn't get emotionally into it, even though what they did was, for the most part, pretty good. It seems to me, too, I noticed this at WrestleMania, and I noticed it tonight. I don't know if they're giving the girls a little bit extra time or if the girls are trying harder, but they know what is going on in, in NXT. You know what I mean? They know that those girls down there are tearing it up, and I'm talking about Charlotte, I'm talking about Sasha Banks, I'm talking about Bailey, those type of girls. And it seems to me that the girls in the big leagues are trying to step up their game because they know that the, they got the, the competition kind of nipping at their heels from behind. Yeah, and I, I think they can. Certainly 
some of them, not all of them can 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 raise to the occasion. But to me, until the the angles at least get them in the emotional spot that they need to be, it's harder for us to care, and it's mm-hmm. harder for them to get over. And I, I think the real downfall to the divas division has been total divas. How do you because, mean? Well, it's just a lot of the turning face and heel is because they need it on the Total Divas show. Oh. And the girls that are on the Total Divas show need to be the focus on Raw, and they can't just book the women well on Raw because they have to make it coincide with Total Divas. And I think it it, it hurts um, the overall women's division, if you will. And since NXT can just book a women's division, um, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, There's a disconnect, too, because I don't watch Total Divas, so I don't know what's going on that show. So when they're doing angles that I'm supposed to know because it's on Total Divas, I don't care. Yeah, I, I watched like the first 15 minutes of the first episode of season one. Um, so other than that, I'm out of the loop too. Yeah, it's not my bag. You know, it's a very it's Kardashians and, and that sort of stuff is fine if you're into it. And there's and conversely, there's a lot of people who listen or who watch Total Divas that never watch Raw. There's a lot, a lot of you know a lot of girls I know watch that show and don't care about wrestling. So there is a disconnect between the two. Um, but I do think that, that over the next few months that you're going to see a couple of those NXT girls come up, and hopefully they, they leave them alone to, to do some of the great stuff they've been doing down uh, down in uh, in uh, Orlando. Yeah, I hope so, and I, and I hope Naomi gets to work with a lot of them, too, because I'm a big fan of hers. Yeah, she's great, man, absolutely. I, I don't know if I like those lighted uh, shoes, though. She's got some... Uh, <laughs> you got some... Just, it's stealing heat from your jacket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, and uh, speaking of getting over, I, I think the experiment continues, and it's working with Roman Reigns and Big Show, because for me, besides the tag team match, this was my favorite match of the night. And yeah, this would be in a number two. Yeah, and for similar reasons, as I used your quote about WrestleMania, put Brock Lesnar and a Samoan in the ring together, they're going to beat the crap out of each other, and it's going to be good. And I found that last night with uh, with Big Show and, and Reigns uh, in the last man standing match. Yeah, I, I think this, this match would have fared better if they didn't have the other extreme rules matches on the show as well. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was, uh, for the most part, pretty good. Um, I think the fact that I was watching it this morning doing cardio, I lost a little bit of the emotion from it. But there was enough big bumps, big stunts, and, and drama getting up that I think making it look like, and, and he is, you know, making him earn it by physically demanding matches, I think, is, is a good way to go with Reigns. Um, his support was, I'd say, probably 60-40, 70-30 at the beginning, but it felt like it was close to 100 at the end. Um, In Chicago, so, yeah. no less, too, because Chicago's a, a, not a hardcore fan base, but they're very vocal. Yeah, they're, they are. Um, yeah, they'll voice their opinion if they have one. Right. But, I, again, I, I, I think they're doing a good job in that crowds, and I, I don't understand why, they're still enamored with tables and table bumps. And Reigns kept trying to deliver, and show kept robbing them of it. Um, so when Reigns finally delivered, it's like mission accomplished. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing for babyfaces. Um, you've got to deliver and be mission accomplished eventually. And uh, Roman Reigns is doing it, and uh, I enjoyed it. Um, show works his butt off. I, I was just going to say that Show is one of the most underrated performers in WWE history, in that he's been there for over 15 years, and he's still—I mean, he's a big man. He's 43, 44 years old, and he still works hard, and he knows what to do. And by putting Reigns with him was a very smart move. I watched the the house show matches that they were having. Uh, over the last few few months, and they had one in Edmonton that was amazing, same style. And that's when I heard Reigns getting cheered through the roof. You know, this ain't no half and half. 
and you're not putting him in there with, with a guy that people are going to cheer for, no one's going to cheer for Big Show over Roman Reigns. They're just not. It's, not. it's not the same dynamic. So it was a really smart move to put them in there, and Show did a great job of putting him over. Yeah, and I, and I, I hope this is the end of the feud, because I think Reigns does need to move on. But yeah, yeah Show needs to deserve some credit for the, the bumping he does at his size and his age. Um, he yeah. works hard. And, even, and Reigns, too, just one last thing. I remember when... Uh, they were starting the the trek to get Orton over as a ran- as a baby face, and he worked with Mick Foley and took the the took the bump into the thumbtacks, and that was kind of a turning point for Randy because people stopped seeing him as a pretty boy. If anybody did and saw him as this guy thumbtacks in his back, it's very easy to see that that's a guy who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna feel the pain for the craft. And I thought some of the bumps that Reigns took last night, you know, getting choke slammed through the table over the ropes and all that sort of stuff, that gets you respect from the the. You know the quote-unquote smarks that don't want to cheer you. You can't help but to cheer a guy when he's giving his body uh, the punishment like like Reigns did last night. Yeah, and I think both him and Orton, when you have the rep of, oh, he's just hand-picked, he's getting the easy way, which yeah. is, you know, it's bogus. You know, I saw Randy Orton get his ass handed to him uh, about a month and a half of host shows by, you know, Bob Holly and stuff. Right. <laughs> and, you know, Bob was doing what he was told. They wanted, you know, Randy to earn it. Mm-hmm. And Randy sucked it up and earned it, and Reigns is showing him too that well he may be picked, but it's like it's not an easy road no matter which way you go. Yeah, and speaking of Orton, the main event last night, your your main event, the uh, the cage match versus Seth Rollins for the title. I liked what they did enough, but the non-delivering on for the most part both steps mm-hmm. um, really frustrated me. And the you're talking about the fact that the RKO was banned from quote unquote banned from the match. And was used, and mm. the fact that, you know, they build the cage matches, I want this so there's no outside interference, and there was all kinds of it. Right. That, and that's, to be honest, I don't know if I would have watched this show if I wasn't going to be going over it with you, and as soon as they announce a cage match anymore, I go, oh, undecisive finish. And it's frustrating, and to do the, you know, the announcers debating on, what well, was the move banned, or was he just banned from doing it? and this is where I couldn't turn my brain off to this level, how do you have a world title match headlining a pay-per-view and the referee doesn't even know what the rules are and how you win? Like, if the move is completely banned or if it was just banned from Randy, the ref should have been clear on that and the decision should have been rendered as soon as someone threw that RKO. And if the ref doesn't even know the rules specifically, it's like, then the whole thing's a joke because you sent a world title match out there with a ref that didn't understand the rules. You know, um, when I watch movies, I'm pretty wide open, especially if you go see like a sci-fi movie or, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean or whatever. I know there's going to be some fantastic stuff that doesn't really make sense, but you just have to have to, you know, leave your mind open. Same with if I'm watching Dexter or Walking Dead. But once in a while, you'll see a plot hole where I just can't buy it, even though it's fantasy and I know it's not real. It insults my intelligence. I feel the same way. Of the fact it, it's it's a nice twist that Rollins gave Orton the RKO, but that should have been Randy Orton cannot use the RKO. Not that the RKO is banned. Also, I find when Kane is named the Guardian of the Gate, that to me is like you're throwing away the step before you've even started the match, and yeah. that bothers me to an extent. Why would you even bother booking it? Yeah, there was no reason why you had to announce Kane as the Guardian of the Gate, which silly, silly name. <laughs> like, there's no reason why he just couldn't have come out right. and slammed that door or got the door kicked into him. And then you're not telling people ahead of time. It's like, well, until Kane does his interference at the gate, nothing important is going to happen. 
Well, and especially when it's a cage match, man. Like you know, like 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 you mentioned, it, it gets watered down over and over again. You know, there's going to be some kind of a of, of of a you know an interference or whatever. But by advertising, I know how Vince thinks. He feels by advertising that that people will know that. I mean, you're, usually he goes the other way. Like he'll advertise something where the people will know. Okay, Orton is going to win the title. But this tells me right from the start that. Rollins is going to retain. So maybe Vince wants people to think that, so they watch the match and buy the match. I don't know why he would want that, but why else would he advertise Kane as the gatekeeper unless he wants you to, to know that, that Rollins is going to win? There's no way Orton's going to win when Kane's the gatekeeper. Yeah, and, and it's, you, when you mentioned that you know they should have specified that Orton can't use the RKO, it's actually an angle I pitched to Paul Heyman back in ECW. Really? Um, I had pitched the idea of doing a program with Taz, and I wanted to go out and do the promo about how he's the coddled ECW guy. Mm-hmm. How, you know, I try to choke somebody in the match, the ref tells me to stop, your finish is a choke. Right. I challenge him, it's like every match you've ever won is, t- you know, T-bone, Taz mission. And it's like, I don't think you can beat me without the Taz mission. And challenge him to a match where he's banned from using his Taz mission. Right. Which is... And, yeah, which is interesting because at that point I don't think he'd ever won a match without it. And the finish that I wanted to do was I end up getting him in the Taz mission. And the announcers is like, well, you'd never say he couldn't do it because I would be very specific in my wording. Mm-hmm. And then as you tease that as an earfall, I'd have Taz get out because who should, you know, if anybody knows how to get out of it, it should right, be him. Right. He gets out and he's so insulted by me doing his move, he puts me in it and I win by DQ. Ah, well, that's cool. Yeah. But, and because I watched the show after the fact, I knew that they were doing the, well, what, what did, Seth originally say, and they show the video before the match, where he very clearly says the RKO is banned in this match. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like, yeah, not that you can't do it, but you know, I don't know, man. You know, sometimes things change at the day of. Who knows the finish that they originally were going to do? And then, if this was the finish the whole time, they should have changed the wording on that. If it wasn't, and they had to change it last minute, or you know, who knows what the hell's going on? Um, then maybe they were forced to do that. But in, in my opinion. By saying Randy Orton can't use the RKO, you're not losing anything, and you're not giving anything away in the buildup of the match. So, like you said, yeah. And then I think Seth Rollins hitting it and rolling out would have been such dirty cheap that it, you know, then there's motivation for Randy to want, yeah, uh, another piece of him. Right, exactly. He could still use it, and then you know maybe the, the the referee is looking at Kane. Rollins gives Orton the RKO. That's not allowed, but then he beats him with it or whatever it may be, you know. So. Um, but you know, like I said, you can you can pontificate it all day long. As a show, it was entertaining. It's not a show that I probably ever would have bought on pay per view, but because I had the network, I watched it. And I think you're going to see a lot of that upcoming uh, in the future. Whereas it doesn't matter what you put on as the matches, the main event matches, because people are either either buying the network or they're not. And um, I think that the importance of having that that specific main event has kind of been diluted quite a lot to where it's almost irrelevant. To an extent, yeah. I think the the primary goal with the network is you need to make the weekly product entertaining and interesting that you enjoy following it. And if you enjoy following the WWE product, it's worth 10 bucks. Right, exactly, exactly. And then you can watch the shows. And if you, for whatever reason, don't want to watch a show, there's enough else out there that it's still worth the 10 bucks. So, yeah, I don't think you need that... Hogan Andre main event anymore. Um, perhaps for WrestleMania, you still do. Sure, yeah, and SummerSlam, you know the, the big ones. But um, but as long as they can put an entertaining show out there, I think it's ironic that the most entertaining show in the match was the match that wasn't supposed to be on the show. Oh, the tag team match. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's always the way, right? <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming uh, coming on the show, Lance. What, uh, when's your next session at Storm Wrestling Academy? Uh, starts next Monday. I pick up students this week. Sold out again? Uh, yep, sold out. Standing room only. Standing room only, man. And your, your your guy, Tyler Breeze, is doing good in NXT, and Emma's doing good. you got a couple other signees. I know there's a girl from Australia that just signed up. So you keep uh, you keep cultivating uh, cultivating those students that end up in NXT, which is great. Yeah, it's always exciting when you see another student get, uh, get signed and get the opportunity. All right, man. Calling from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. It's Lance Storm. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. Bye. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Talk is Jericho. Okay, Are we on? We're moving? We're just, we're just going? We're just conversating. Wow. Yeah, didn't, you, didn't you tell us who the guest is? Well, I'm going to tell. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to help you. No, let him guess. Let him guess. The one thing just... I've learned, if you can't tell by the voice, is obviously uh, legendary interviewer, show business mogul Larry King. Mogul? His, uh, mogul. She's the mogul. Mogul. <laughs> and, of course, his lovely wife, Sean, is here. Uh, and the, th- the coolest thing is, is that I've done a lot of interviews over the years, and one of my favorite interviewers has always been you, Larry Thank King. You. We've had the pleasure of doing your show maybe four times, maybe yeah, five times. And it's always a blast to talk to you because I, I love how you ask your questions, how you run the show. Or I'm a man, yeah. Yeah, and now, you know, you are here on my show. So it's a little bit of, a, a little bit of an intimidating. And on the way Chris over, is the boss. On the way over, yes, my I'm bold wife said, she looked at me in the car, mm-hmm. which occasionally she does. Yeah, <laughs> once in a while. And she said, I'm going to take him. I said, what do you mean? She says, you know, he won't be too resisting. And yeah, I, I know. I look kind of cute. I'll, yeah. That, that's, I'll, that I'll sounds funny. Him, I'll belt him I, and I, pin him to the floor. Using her as, the, yeah, exactly. I was going to take you down. I was just going to walk in. But what I did, just, I, would, I would have to just uh, uh, subside, 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 just succumb. let you do it. Succumb. <laughs> succumb. <laughs> See, you got we were on WWE together. I know you guys hosted, uh, hosted yeah, Raw. And, and the, guy, the guy put me on and she threw water in his face. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've always been a very, uh, not always, but I know for a while, you've had a lot of WB guys on your show. Oh, many, many, many. There was one time when actually you came to Anaheim to do kind of a behind-the-scenes story. behind-the-scenes, yeah. That was a lot of fun. I've known Vince McMahon for years, and uh, a lot of the wrestlers with you, and I think wrestling, I took my boys to a big event the day before WWE on a Saturday morning. They did Mm. a whole event here downtown. At, is this LA, is this something that you have been interested in your whole life, or just recently? well? I remember watching Raka when I was a kid, and yeah. wrestling was the first thing to be big on television. Yeah, it was the first thing. Really? To be, oh, like yeah. On the Dupont Network. Yep, the Dupont Network with round screens and uh, <laughs> and wrestling, and uh, Antonina Raka from Argentina right. was the first big rock wrestling star, and he would stand against the ropes and jump out and leap onto people and kick them in the face. And I bought it. Yeah. Uh, and Costas, Bob Costas, still buys it. I've had arguments with him. Costas says, you know, it is real. How could they hit it? And I know you get hurt a lot, and I know you're great athletes. Well, I have a lot yeah. of... 
It's you, you a great have, show you business. You do have respect for, for it. You always oh, have been that it's way. Good. Didn't you discover it there that day? It was unbelievable. They do rehearse, mm-hmm. but the rehearsals are there. It's it's like a dance. It's yeah. it is very much so. very, it's very athletic. You, you, know and you can't be a wuss. It's always... choreographed. <laughs> you can. It's choreographed. It, it's a live yeah. stunt show, but it's also like being a jazz musician. In that yeah. you follow each other. I don't know what the next part of the song is, but if we're professionals and you're playing a riff, I just follow you. Okay, let's let's work together on this. That's the best way to describe it. Improv comedian. You just mm-hmm. go with the flow or an interviewer. You know. Oh, I go with the flow. Go with the flow. Absolutely. I mean, like you started this, you just go with whatever. Just go. But what I liked was when I've asked wrestlers, are there? T- I know it's choreographed, mm-hmm. but other times you get pissed. Of course. And you break the choreography. In other words. The guy, you suddenly you're in the ring, and right. you're the bad guy. You're supposed to lose, right? But the good guy does something you don't like. <laughs> <laughs> suddenly, you don't want to lose, right? Well, I mean, at the highest level, not so much anymore. I mean, this is the highest level of of, of wrestling with the WWE. But if when we were in Japan back in the old days, you're working like in a foreign country where you're the foreign menace, then it did break down a little bit sometimes because guys wouldn't want to work with you as much because you are the the foreigner. Right. So that's when you would have a little bit more of a breakdown, you know, a little more of a shoot, as we call it. You've been Unless, badly hurt? Uh, never been badly hurt uh, so much by another guy. Aches and pains. The worst injury I had is I broke my arm with a, I had like a steel plate in my arm. But that was just by trying like a, a wacky stunt, you know, something <laughs> on those lines. You have a steel plate in your arm? Yeah. Absolutely. So you, you can go? hit harder. <laughs> yeah. <That's laughs> go with like, the forearm. I mean, people always go, does that go off when you go through the metal detector? Yeah, I was going to ask you that. No, it doesn't. It does not. It doesn't, unfortunately. Because it would be cool to make it kind of bionic if it would, but it doesn't. So um, now, now you're talking about running an interview. and talk, We're talking about, about wrestling and how if things kind of break down. I mean, over the years, and both of you guys have your own podcast now. It's called uh, Back and Forth with Lon- Larry and Sean King, which must be really... Sean and Larry King, her name. Sorry, yeah, she's first. Learn it, first. Of Learn it or she'll <laughs> pin you. And smart move, too. The fact that she's your wife, she should be first. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. She's now, first in everything. After all these years of being an interviewer, and now you have another person on the show with you, even though she's your wife, how is that having like a... Uh, well, I've got to tell you the truth. I've said it to her. I've said it to my father-in-law. Uh, of all the years, about 58 years in the business, right. 58 years of interviewing and all sorts of things and emceeing comedy shows, and I would say I'm having the most fun working with her mm-hmm. and I we do one a week I would do two or three a week uh, in all the years I've done I'm 81 years old I'm having more fun with her she's very good she was hesitant at first but now you, you haven't seen it yet but it's about mm-hmm. to take place she commands it <laughs> well, Chris it's going slow so far but it's sort of like a wrestling match that started slow so, so far she hasn't said anything but wait <laughs> it's coming when you ask us about our kids or shoes yeah. you, mm-hmm. uh, no. wait so is there well, certain things that you obviously know more about that you could take control certain oh, yeah. things that Larry knows more about that you kind of sit back yeah, well we, uh, we I suddenly discovered since we do this I don't know anything about it <laughs> Larry knows very, very little about most things. One, one thing she doesn't know. I have in my head, I know what time planes are leaving. She doesn't know what time it is. She has no idea. Con- Wall Street Journal did a whole story on people who are late, and they said it's a trigger thing. Really? That they don't really know what time it is. Hmm. So they can't. Con- Sean has no idea what time. For example, we're supposed to go somewhere last Saturday night at 6.30. Right. Right. At 5.15, she went out to buy shoes. Now, and she said, my makeup's almost done. Almost. Okay. You know what time she arrived? When? 10 to 8. No. 
That's not true. That first of all, totally ago. inaccurate because we got to okay. the second event. Larry, you're such a fibber. You got so what's the, the, we got to, the, what's the, the real the story is we had. I was supposed to stop by and say hi to a group of people right. before we went to Clive Davis's Grammy pre-Grammy mm. party. So that's you know Clive's party is always fun and it's there are a lot of photographers there and you get you, you want to make good. sure that you look right. We'll make the scene. Yeah. So I didn't have the right pair of black pumps that went with my outfit. Why didn't you buy them at 3 o'clock? Because I didn't know. I didn't, didn't decide what I was going to wear. See, that's until... the thing with, with, with the girl. You never know exactly what you're going to wear. And but... t- well, you, also because you have to, the weather was cold. And so I wasn't going to wear something really bare. What does that or... have to do with the shoes? I wore, what? What does the weather have to do with the shoes? Everything. I would be wearing sandals, or you could be wearing closed-toed shoes. So she didn't know what she was going to no, wear. I don't know, but here's, right. the, here's the crusher. <laughs> Next to Imelda Marcos, her shoe collection oh, that is, is such number baloney. one in the it, Western. No, it's anyway, not. It she's is got not. a lot of shoes, no, racks a, of shoes, Larry, boots, your racks nose of is shoes. Growing. And yeah. see, when, from, when the someone, male, from the male standpoint, we're looking so, and saying you've got 15 pairs of black shoes. Right. From the female standpoint, none of these shoes are the right shoes for this How do you know this? What are you, a woman? I've been married for 16 years. Yes. See? Yes, you totally get it. Right? How long have you guys been married for? Eight. So I got double on. 18. 18. yeah. I almost had... You're almost, you're almost. What I mean is, how could you have 40 pair of shoes, 100 pair of shoes, 200 pair of shoes, and not have black shoes? (laughs) Yeah, and black shoes. I don't have 200. I could see if you said, I don't have purple shoes. No, but also, by the way, I keep my shoes because I. Why? When I buy them, I like them, Mm -hmm. but they go out of style. But then they come back. Come back in style. Pointy toes were out for a long time. But you know what they do? They trick you because the the pointy toe is in style, but now the heels are different. They've got we've either got a chunky heel or a really teeny tiny heel. Stiletto heel. A stiletto heel, yeah. Now what are you but, uh, what are you, gay? What are you, are you? <laughs> I mean, I mean, no, he totally gets. Stiletto oh my gosh! You never heard. Your of this wife thing? must be so happy, Chris. You never you had get heels. I don't even know what a stiletto heel is. See, but you're 81, you, Larry. I'm, I'm, I'm I, younger, yeah. so stiletto I was heels wearing stiletto thing. heels last night. They were those real, those, those really real thin, high, tiny, they were very thin. Sexy. The ones oh, you like. See, he oh. calls See, them sexy heels. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it helps the calves and everything. Oh yeah. Yeah, he kept saying your calves look so good. Why do they look so good? It's because my toes are pointing. And because you went and got the shoes. I got the shoes. See, what I tell you, I hate to interrupt you too, but I have a have a question. You'll probably know the answer to this. Who decides? Who decides that pointy shoes are out? The shoe manufacturers, the because they need to sell new shoes next the season. Sh- the, shoe people, the shoe people in Italy decide all of people. those things. I think, yeah. it's a, I think it's a guy named Murray Schwartz in front. <laughs> but, wait, <laughs> but Larry, it's time to get rid of the chunky heels. Points yeah. are out. You, Cancel points. But speaking of, of shoes, we got, we got onto this shoe thing because Larry had shoes on the brain because I told him that he needs to throw away a oh, pair of shoes that he owns. Chris. Okay. I love these. And he, look at the now, socks. What, those are kind of almost bo- almost bowling shoes. No, type they're of. like the ugliest <laughs> shoes I've ever seen in my life. Dude, wear those bowling. Don't unlace them. Oh, she's taking off, off the shoes. Wait, look no, at this. No, don't take them off. Taking them off. Here they come. <laughs> you got some nice this. socks on the leg. They are. No, see the socks. The socks are great, right? Those are stylish the socks. Those socks. Yeah. Who got you those socks there? You did. I did. Okay. Yes, but I did not buy them. They're beautiful. 
Argyle now, socks. I what do kind not of shoes are those? What does it say in the back? Hideously Pant- ugly. Pantola d'oro. These were sent to me, two pair. Okay. Sent to me from Italy. They Pantofola are. Pantofola Yes, and is the colors. The, is stars on them? They're brown and black and white and green. And olive and green. Very bowling shoe-esque. Yes. And what Pant- is that the name of the maker on the back? Pant- yes. Okay, so he Pant- made Pantofola d'oro from Italy. They so those are probably very expensive shoes. Probably. probably. They're very comfortable. And she tells oh, me, she tells him. me, you can't wear them anymore. No, well, now, what have I told you? See, but this is the thing with guys that we hold on to stuff for a long time because it fits nice. If, if, you know, it feels it, comfy. It feels right. comfy. Yeah, but when you're in the entertainment business and you go on stage, the reason that I, I really went over the line today is that I was flipping through to to look to, for pictures from the Grammy party. Right. And, you know, they have those Zimbio things and all those different mm-hmm. uh, Getty images. Right. And wire so image. I, wire image. image all that so I flipped through I put Larry King's name in and he was at an event where he was on a panel mm-hmm. and there were all these discussing people discussing OJ discussing OJ okay whatever and um, th- uh, everyone was dressed very nicely Larry was wearing these same pair of schlumpy jeans that have mustard stains on them I don't know what else <laughs> is on there and these shoes but he had a beautiful uh, orange shirt great High, beautiful suspenders from the waist up. He was fantastic. And then a photographer had a close-up of Larry's ridiculously unmatching <laughs> socks that were like bright orange ar- or ar- argyle and uh, See, Larry, olive green and Larry's brown and black. Larry's used to sitting behind the desk. Right. It's, it's a it's an upper body business. Some people don't think he has legs. Thought, thought I didn't have legs. <laughs> <they> however, <laughs> however. I get a lot of compliments on these shoes. So it's you're telling me they're It's because people are shocked, what? Larry. They're staring, and and they don't <laughs> want to be caught. And so they go, oh, those are great shoes. What they're really thinking like is, oh, shoes. my gosh. When you get to the point of being Larry King, you kind of do what you want. Like no. Like if he's not at home. So, <laughs> <laughs> and not on your podcast now. No, I used to think, I used to think that I rule all I command. Mm-hmm. I command nothing. <laughs> I tell you, right. Yes. <laughs> I'm leaving here in five Ding. minutes. I mean, you and your beloved co-wrestler. Round one. But my wife takes good care of me. <laughs> she makes she makes you younger. I mean, obviously, absolutely, she does. Well, you sure. Feel, you feel invigorated. The frustration leads to you. Uh, anger. Leads Heart rate to you. increasing. Heart rate That's increasing. Right. And blood pressure increasing. <laughs> the one problem with Sean is she is not my mother. No. I had a mother. I am not your that mother. That forgave Larry. everything. I yes. couldn't do anything wrong. Yeah, my well, guess label what? is always right. Yeah, well, you weren't married <laughs> to your mother, and I am not your mother. I don't want to be your mother. <laughs> so when when you first uh, got together with Larry, were you in broadcasting? Were you in show business? At I was. All? Okay. Okay. I was. I had a been show, in show business all uh, called Hollywood Insider. It was on USA. Oh, okay, gotcha. So you're, you about knew the story. seven, eight years somewhere. Got a lot of so I knew. Yeah, and I'd done a lot of acting and gotcha. Right. And, so you were in the business. Oh, yeah. You're I was with, my dad was in the music business. He was head of A&R at Capitol oh, okay. when I was right. growing up. So See, we had the She's the a great Beach singer. Boys she doesn't the say Beatles that. And, yeah, well, she's so recorded I, with I Willie sing. Nelson, with Glenn Campbell. She's a great We did a show together in Vegas where I she opened and did all the singing and I did mm-hmm. comedy. She's a great singer. Unfortunately, she doesn't want to share it with the public. She's yeah. open for Don Rickles. <laughs> All right. Yeah, she's in Vegas. Uh, in Vegas. Yeah, in Vegas. Vegas yeah, and so Atlanta we had to, City. We had to, uh, Vegas is not, you know, the show that I did in Vegas wasn't the music that I record. It's, mm-hmm. it's a com- it was a completely different thing because the, it's a different audience. What kind of stuff do you sing? Um, country, country pop. Well, country and country pop, yeah. So Pop country? 
pop country. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> country. So you guys mentioned you went to Clive Davis's Grammy party. Yeah, it's like legendary. Like how? Oh, it's is so it like, fun. Is it the cool place to be? Oh, it like, is. Who was there this year? They got. I stayed the whole. I stayed till twelve. And and Penny Marshall. Penny Marshall and Lorraine Bracco. Lorraine Bracco and oh gosh, but she knew everyone. Sean is the world's best party attendee. Sean, oh here's Sean. Oh hi, hi. Oh love see, oh love see. Oh Mildred, oh it's so good these seeing are my you. Friend. Again. These are people that I've known, known for, for twenty years, years. right? Okay. You know, and longer. Except Sometimes she knows the room longer than you. Well, <laughs> you got to work the room. That's what a party is. And I grew up in this business, so right. a lot of people. I'll tell you I knew my highlight I Larry. and, and right. her highlight. It was a great act. Mm-hmm. Clive Davis put on a. A wonderful array of singers. To me, the highlight was Johnny Mathis. Really? He back Johnny Mathis, and Johnny did four songs. More nice. songs than anybody else it was did. was great. But the opening act was, who's the singer? Sammy? Sam Smith? Sam, Sam Smith. Smith. Oh, my gosh. He won what a bunch a, of Grammys last night. What a voice he has. Yeah, a great amazing. voice. I heard that tribute he did to the guy who broke up with him. Uh huh. That was funny. <laughs> Thanks for making my whole career. He wrote all those songs. And didn't Adele, um, the guy that she she did the same did, thing, uh, yeah. and that guy sued her. Oh, really? Yeah. Because and lost. he he lost, but he said that he was owed royalties because she wrote the songs about him. Right. That was the Taylor Swift thing too. She, oh, really? She, she yeah. Well, Taylor writes that's right. That's about, how she you know, does it. Were, you know. But you're you're a big music fan, Larry, and I know you. Are well, no, well. Uh, she's much bigger. For example, she kids me. I watched the Grammys. Mm-hmm. I understood two lyrics. Mm-hmm. The rest, there was, was way I lost. I look at the Billboard Top Hundred. I don't know anybody on it. Right. Well, if you listen to the radio, you might start recognizing some songs. I if you listen, listen to something to the, other than Sinatra on Sirius, but you know, satellite. when Sinatra died, music died. Well, here's the, here's one of your best shows that, that I loved. I want to talk to you about when when Beatles love. Came to oh, that was, oh, that and was you so fun. interviewed Paul, Ringo, Yoko, and, and Olivia. Widows, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and that was that was you're a big Beatles fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was an amazing interview. With I these learned guys. to like the Beatles. In what way? Well, when they came out, you know, I, w- I tended to put down all that music. Mary was very snobby mm-hmm. about music. No, I was. And, and still I, is. Well, obviously, if you're a Sinatra fan, then you're I a rock to, guy. I used to yeah. kid them on a name, the Beatles, what kind of name is that? Yeah. And anyway, one day on my television show in Miami... Arthur Fiedler, the great conductor of the Boston Pops, is my guest. Mm-hmm. So on the air, I'm kidding with him, but Arthur Fiedler's a great master of classics and all that. And I say to him, hey, Arthur, what do you make of these Beatles? You know, I'm doing it like fun. What do you make of these Beatles? Oh. <laughs> he says to yeah. me, get this, they are the Beethoven of our times. Wow. Their music will be played and sung after generations have gone. Mm-hmm. They will live forever, and I have just recorded an album with the Boston Pops of Beatles music, and wow. I felt like a schmuck. I didn't know what yeah, to say. Yeah. You should have. He put me down. He didn't put me down. He was just put saying. You in your place, yeah. He put me up. So well, then I started to listen to, to, their to their the music, and you hear the beautiful changes and the, I mean, the chord progressions. The, but I think back in lyrics. those days, though, it was about the look. You looked at them as as right. guys. Look at these hippies, the long, the long hair, hair and all that. Arthur Fiedler told yeah. me that "Hold My Hand" mm-hmm. is a, I want to hold your hand is a great number. Mm-hmm. I thought that was crazy. I want to hold your hand. I want to hold your hand. And when I touch you, I feel happy inside. inside. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's more than just the chorus. See, what did you think? Lyric. What did I mean, you the think when the, the whole, there was basically a whole cultural shift too around that time when the Beatles came? I in. missed it. They changed I, society. I got to like the Beatles. I like Presley, mm-hmm. but after that, 
all these, the modern things, when, uh, for example, my daughter loved ACDC mm -hmm. when she was a teenager. That was her favorite group. They opened the Grammy show last right. night. Why? <laughs> First of all, did anyone understand what they were doing? The drummer, I thought, was going to die of a heart attack. <laughs> the trumpet player, the, the guitarist ran around the stage like a maniac. And I That's tell me one kind of what they do. That's what they That's do, Larry. Okay, okay. Here, you two it's wise guys. You, how old are you, Chris? I'm 44. And she's a little early thirties. Ah! She's early thirties. Yes, thank right. you. Give me. And looks like she's uh, early twenties. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sing. All right, guys. Sing for me an ACDC lyric. Um, uh -huh, uh -huh. She was a fast machine. She kept her motor clean. She was the best damn woman that I ever seen. That's kind of like a Sinatra would be happy with yes. that. It's kind of Sinatra thing. Frank a day. <laughs> Frank, so she Frank, was a friend. He's sorry machine. he said that. Frank, he's sorry. I'm looking <laughs> no. at that. So, but let's, let me ask you this. I mean, obviously, you've been in the business for a long time. And for me, um, I know Frank Sinatra. I know how great he is, but I don't really know. He was a huge, huge Elvis Presley Beatles style star, like that big, right? Well, he did a show with Presley when Presley came back from Germany. But I mean, before that, like in the late 40s, Sinatra well, late was, there was no one big right? There was no one bigger than Frank. Yeah. Right. When, and in 1960s, when he resurrected his mm -hmm. career, in the, in, the, in the early 60s, when the Beatles came in, no one was bigger than Frank. Mm. No one. Okay. You were a baby. Right, but you mean you, you hear about it because we weren't actually there. You don't really know. Like, I was never around when the Beatles were around, but you hear about it. But apparently, like, it was even bigger than when you oh can imagine. Oh, my gosh. I remember my dad coming home. It freaked me out. He came because he was head of A&R. He got all the paraphernalia and all the stuff. And your dad is here. My dad back. is here, right behind us right really now. a really cool yeah. cane with a sword in it. Yes, he has a cool sword in it. So watch out, anybody who thinks he they're going to get it. That's right. <laughs> but he came to the door, and he was wearing a Beatles wig. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and I You're kidding no I, never I, I haven't told you this yeah we were living on Fair Avenue and, and I looked through the peeper hole because you know I wanted to know who was at the door he knocked because he wanted to freak us out I think is that what you did dad you, was it, you don't remember I remember it very well it scarred me for life mm. my father <laughs> who's always had this beautiful silver hair from as long as I can yeah, yeah. remember he got when it when he was like in his 20s yeah. yeah no truly he started going silver really really young and he's got this this you know big long beetle thing on but he also came home with with an acetate, and I, you're too young to know what an acetate is. The big kind of like a three-quarter inch tape. Well, no, no, the acetate is a is, an, uh, is a is a record that's thick. Oh, okay. That is uh, like the the. The master. It's, it's the master. Yeah. Is that dad? Is that what it is? Those big thick things that you used to bring home. Yeah, they, they, they cut a master. Yeah, it's like the master of the LP is the acetate, yeah. right? Right. So and if we could do? find those, they're somewhere oh, in they, storage. Can yeah. you imagine oh, what those Beatles acetates right. are worth? Was this oh, when you were gosh. when you were like a teenager? Was, was the Beatles your thing, or was no, 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 no? It was. I was little. I was. I. I. Okay. So I'm, you. I was five when the first Beatles concert who was happened. Big, who, was your big, who was your big crush when you were a kid? Who was my big crush? When, when you were like what a teenager. Star? It's Bay City what Rollers? Star? Um, who was on your record player? Uh, who was on my record player? Um, uh, gosh, I loved, I mean, I loved Earth, Wind & Fire. I loved um, Stevie Wonder. I loved... Okay. Uh, More funk, like know, funk stuff. Yeah, Shaka Khan. I loved... Sly um, and the Family Stone. Sly, yep, yep. Mm. Um... Yeah, probably more that. And then I got to then I got to when Willie Nelson did Stardust. That and when Linda Ronstadt no was it Linda Ronstadt did no they both Linda did. but no 
They both did it. That's yeah, right. Linda did the Nelson Riddle session, and then Willie did the Stardust. Anyway, mm-hmm. I kind of went over into country and, and appreciated that. and so. Okay, so that was your thing. Yeah. So. And Larry, were you, were you a jazz guy? I love jazz. Yeah, it's your thing, like right? The, Verve, the old Verve label and Buddy Rich and Mel Torme. Oh, okay. I loved all that. By the way, once the Earth, Wind, <laughs> Earth, Wind, and Fire did a concert in Miami, I wasn't going... But I dropped off some people, uh-huh. and I left them off at the Bayfront Park Auditorium. And I'm driving out as all the cars are coming in, <laughs> and I was yelling, "Go back, go back! Wind is sick." <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny. Tonight, just Earth and Fire will be performing. Right. Earth, only Earth and Fire. Go back. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed. Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Larry, you've been interviewing for so many years, and then you left CNN, moved over to Aura. Now you have the podcast with Sean. Um, what's the dynamic change when you're interviewing when you have two lead interviewers uh, rather than when you just have one? Like next time when we well, do your I've podcast. Never, I've never worked with a, with a with Never, a, right? Never worked with anyone else before Sean. And we do interviews together very well, I think. Mm. I, don't I, need, just, I have nothing to judge from well, no, I did. I did my own. Yeah, so you I never guess, worked with anyone. No, I never worked with anyone else either. But I, I, I'm so used to working alone. But we work well together. Well, plus it's your wife, so you have good chemistry. You know, yeah. Yeah. that's going to be. She picks answer. up on things very well. She's she's a very good interviewer herself. So, but I, I, I the difference in I, I'm used to working live, and we right. don't do this live. So I like live. Mm. I, I I I like. The high risk of life. I like mm, the mm. rush. The rush when that light goes on and you're all over the world. Come and never, on. And you never know what's going to happen. No. Have there been yeah. some disasters during your career of live interviews that went uh, <laughs> askew? A f- <laughs> just a few. Not many. I uh, Just a few. Um, the did Pope. It, did anybody ever get really pissed off at the you? Pope the didn't Pope didn't No, it wasn't the Pope. No, it was the Father. It was a priest. You asked a priest a question. Oh, that was my first dumb thing. I was just starting out at Pumpernick's. A restaurant, a restaurant okay. in Miami Beach. I was, that was my first interview. Was Bobby Darren was the first famous person. He just walked in. <laughs> and Jimmy Hoffa came. But I had a priest Jimmy on. Jimmy Hoffa? Yeah, oh, wow. I knew them all. I had a priest on. Mm-hmm. And I was just a kid. I was 22. So I asked him if he had any children. <laughs> and there was a whole audience there. They laughed. Now, of course, now it would be understood. <laughs> Not right. that I know of. <laughs> yeah. But no, I had uh, Zsa Zsa Gabor say the F word. Okay, that's why we, we weren't yeah. on delay then. Now mm-hmm. we were on we were on six, six second delay because of that. Well, what would happen back then if if a F word escaped? Would you get in trouble? Fines? No. Well, here was the rule: if you were on the radio, this was a great rule. It's good for all of you to follow. If you're ever doing a live show, and you say a curse word, mm-hmm. I was on WIOD radio. All right, I never said a curse word on the air, but if I did, suppose I'm on WIOD. Remember to call it WIOD. Mm-hmm. And so I say to my guests, F you, this is W-I-N-Z, Miami. (laughs) Say another station. Uh, Right, 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 right. (laughs) That's one of the tricks of the trick. I've never never had that in my broadcast career. Uh I've never had a goof like that. I've never had a Brian Williams. 
where you actually sat. I, I've never had that. Now, a lot yeah. of times, you know, memory can fade. I tell stories, and sometimes you embellish them. Mm-hmm. But I never put myself in an airplane I wasn't in. Mm. You know, and I think he's going to have a tough time. It's all we've been talking oh, about. It's really sad. And I like Brian. He yeah. he was the MC when I got my Lifetime Achievement Award from the Emmys, which was a great night. He even put me down a little. And what was the story what, with Brian? What did he do? Just so everyone knows. Well, he said, uh, when at the Emmy Awards, he said, we're here to play homage to Larry King. And later on, I'll tell him what homage means. Mm. Yeah, but what he, what, <laughs> what he did what, was, what he, did? What's he, he said for? he was in a, 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 there was a helicopter fight over Iraq. Mm-hmm. He was in a helicopter. One hour behind the helicopter that got shot up and down. Wow. He said he was in the helicopter that got shot up. And he's been telling the story for years. Tell it on David Letterman. He just kept the story going. Veterans were complaining. No one listened to him. Veterans called NBC to say he was. But the other night, he took one of the veterans of one of the events to a ranger game, ranger hockey Mm -hmm. game. And he happened to mention to an interview, a girl does interviews. And he said, yes, I'm happy to be here with this veteran. It reminds me of the time when I was shot down in the plane. And he brought it up again. And then they went into a whole big thing. The problem he's going to have, I Who's think. Who's they went into a whole big thing? Other veterans started so calling. The, the other veterans. And so the, then, that veteran that was there didn't say anything. No, no, no. But he became the victim of the new internet of what is right. it? So they found out that he what was, they was lying about of, it. Of, Twitter of, and, of, of and now did you, you see what they're doing on social media now? They showed me today. What? They have Brian Williams at the Last Supper. Brian Brian Williams was in the car when Kennedy was shot. He was in in the middle. They have his face. Walking across Abbey Road. Walking across Abbey Road. He's in every situation. (laughs) And here's the problem he's going to have. He's a nice guy. Become Forrest Gump. So basically, it came came out that he was not in the helicopter. He was was not in the helicopter. Right. He he was in another helicopter an hour behind them. That was not. But the problem he's going to have is, I think... He's not a field reporter anymore, so he's never going to have to lie about it. He's an anchor. But let's say the story is right. helicopter shot down. Here's Brian Williams with the news. <laughs> helicopter shot down today in Afghanistan. Let's just avoid those. Any helicopter news, else. give it to but somebody you got to cover right. the news, right? Bring it, bring it out. Oh, now they've got stories about that he lied about Katrina. He was in New really? Orleans. Yeah. And he was in a mate, the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in the in the... In the suite? or In the, uh, what's the French Quarter. Yeah. And he said he, he looked oh. out his window and saw a body floating by. And now everyone's in an uproar over that because oh, no. that area of the thing did not no, flood. Oh, See, but as, as a journalist, isn't that the death knell? Like, yes. It is. No one's you, ever oh going to trust him. That's right. How do you recover from because that? Because their whole campaign is trust. Right. Now, he's the, not only the anchor of the news, he's the editor-in-chief of their news. Ouch. So he hires and oh. fires people. Yeah, he took himself off the air. Wow! But he said, "I've ordered today to take myself," and I like him a lot. But he's got. I think the trouble is you compound the story, and now you—if you're doing a cable show or you're a lesser reporter, you can get away with it. Uh, the the lady at CBS that they took off the air for six months—very pretty girl—I forgot her name. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. She told a lie story. She put up a story that wasn't true, mm-hmm. and they suspended it. It went away because mm-hmm. she's not an anchor. Mm-hmm. Right. But Brian Williams, you no, see every night. He, he's, he's the talking head of the network. Yeah, so right. I don't, I don't yeah. see a recovery. Now, they say the story will go away. Mm-hmm. Now, normally stories do go away, but once he comes back, everyone's going to tune in. Again. Yeah, it's a story again. Yeah. And then thing, someone said, do you think the people at CBS and ABC are happy about this? 
You bet they yeah. are. <laughs> it's, it's sad. Well, Larry, what's the, I mean, the, the, as far as the world has changed with social media, and everybody has a phone, everybody has a recorder, everybody's It overwhelms me. It scares me. How is that for you in you know, 10, 20 years to see how this has come along? I can't. There's things I like about it and things I don't like. For you example. Said you said it, okay, for example. News is instantaneous, mm-hmm. so you get a lot wrong. How do you mean? It's too fast. Mm-hmm. So the idea is a lot of companies want to get it on first. Rather than get it right. Instead of doing so I was raised in an era where you get it right. You double-check everything. Wow. The post, when the Boston bombing occurred, mm-hmm. sent a picture up of two people who didn't do it. Mm. But they wanted to get it right out. You want to get you it right out. want to be first? You want to be first rather than be right. So there's a danger in that. Now, the, good, the unbelievable part of this is there's no such thing as a newspaper headline extra mm. where you learn something you didn't know. Mm-hmm. If a big event happened right now, the whole world knows it in a minute mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because of social media. Right. But social media can also lie. So I could take my Twitter. I got 2,800,000 followers. I could spread a lie out today. Yeah. Right. right. And yeah. then tomorrow say, sorry, I got it wrong. But by then the damage is done. But then That's you right. want to be right. For example, three weeks ago, I flew from... Uh, from United, from uh, from L.A. to Utah, mm-hmm. and I was on the plane with Ann Romney, Mitt mm-hmm. Romney's wife, and she told me, "We're going to decide in the next couple of weeks whether he's going to run or not." Really? So I put that out on Twitter. I sent that out. Mm-hmm. Well, he 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 also met and her. And then at the I met her at the and airport, he and he said, "We're going to decide." So you had two good I had two sources. <laughs> yeah, who were the Romneys? The biggest sources. <laughs> yeah. So I ran. I sent it out. I got quoted everywhere. They're going to decide in the next two weeks. And uh, Bob Schieffer on Face the Nation, the night he announced that he wasn't going to run, gave me credit that I had broken this. (laughs) But supposing Ann Romney said, I never said that. Hmm. Or Mitt Romney said, I never said that. I'm not deciding till June. Then I would have looked like. Right. And did I lie? Yeah, yeah, but but when someone says that to you, but I had it on pretty good. Is is it on the record when they tell you this, or was it kind of like a hey, Larry? I think I'm gonna. Well, I kind of assumed it was on the record. You told me that they. I said to Anne, I didn't. I said to Anne, I'm going to Twitter this, and she said, "Fine." I didn't say it to Mitt. I said it to Anne, and Anne told me, "When Mitt speaks, he speaks for me." Right. And when I speak, I speak for Mitt. We're joined at the hip. Hmm. Okay, so, so you, you actually you, you had warned her or told her. No, I I'm said. Uh, no, I said. Can gotcha. I? She wow. said, "Sure." Okay, because there have been times I didn't tweet other things. She told me. Okay, right. she told me background stories that yeah. would shock our listeners. Larry was totally <laughs> hitting on her. By the way, I get this. I get this phone call. Oh, I want to tell you. No, 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 some, could you? Uh, I get See a the call word, from when Larry. You hear, eh, that's that means, uh, hand no. is up. Uh, hand is up. I get a call from Larry saying, "Sean, I'm running away. I um, this this I, it's someone you know, and she's she's wonderful. She and I are running away together. So she just wants to say hello before we go. <laughs> Hands the phone to Ann Romney. Fast forward about an hour and a half later, I get another call from Mitt who says, tell your husband to keep his mitts off my wife. <laughs> no here's, here's no the, pun intended. Right. Here's the weird part about Mitt. No, the weird okay. part about Mitt. Guilty he, as charged, Larry? He meant it. Yeah, guilty. Totally. No, Larry Actually, was Actually, he half meant it. Oh, no, he was not happy. He was not happy. No, and... Sh- 
That's no. why he lost. No, <laughs> he bought Larry. that. He bought it. Come on, he wasn't happy. It's well, a joke. What? I know it's a joke, well, but maybe some it's people don't. I, maybe it's because he maybe was. Maybe because you've the... been married eight times that he thought you were going to make another jump. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to Tampa alone, huh? <laughs> Flying on that Southwest was, Airlines. That was, that was dirty. <laughs> that was low dirty. When we I'm go to sorry, dinner, I'm when sorry. we go to dinner with Larry Jr. and Cannon, yeah. a, you will not eat. <laughs> Larry King Jr. Larry King okay, Jr. Okay, you will not eat. Okay. And when we get up in the morning, I'll bring snacks. When we get up in the morning, if you get up in the morning, <laughs> no breakfast for you. I mean, you're really starting to tick me off with that line. She brings it up a little too much. So Larry, you've been. Uh, well, we're talking Mitt Romney in the presidential election, and, and what do you think is going to happen over the next couple of years as far as who's going to be the next? Well, 2016. I hope it's Hillary versus Jeb Bush. I hope that because I think that will be then uh, one guy a little right of center, one woman a little left of center, mm-hmm. and it'll be an intelligent, well thought out. The debates will be very good. I don't think there'll be any backstabbing. They they like each other. Mm-hmm. And they appreciate each other. And fans are both like the other person. So, um, and their families think, are friends. And their family. Oh, yeah, Bill, Bill Clinton. Become, uh, Bill Clinton and George Bush the first. Since. Bill Clinton spends a week every year in in uh, up in Maine, which, as Barbara Bush says, who she's she's a riot. Barbara Bush. Barbara Bush. First, she doesn't <laughs> yeah. want him to run. Uh-huh. Stop with the dynasties already. I don't <laughs> sick of Bush. I'm tired of it. She's opposed, but he's Jeb is Jeb is definitely running. That who, is definite. Who, he is definitely running. Who do you think, uh, in your opinion, was was the best president over all the years you've been, you've been of interviewing? Of interviewing, uh, yeah. Uh, Clinton, hands down. As a I mean, president, I or as, all, an as, as yeah. both as both. an interviewer and as a president. I like I liked all the presidents I've interviewed, and they all have great. You don't get to be president without great qualities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have to have great qualities to yeah. run. You have to have a lot of chutzpah <laughs> to run, and then to be president. There's a great quality. Oh, I don't want that job. Mm-hmm. When you get a call at two in the morning, it ain't good news. Yeah. How many good days does a president have in in eight years? How many days two, you get him and say, yeah, three? Yeah. Well, what yeah. is yeah. no the profit? inauguration right. <laughs> <laughs> and the farewell. Well, see you later. A lot of them can't wait to get out. Yeah, I'm sure. So but Clinton loved politics, and he's. Uh, my wife is is a Republican. I'm a Democrat, but we share a lot of things. We were at a house, a friend of ours' house, and Bill Clinton got up and spoke. Mm-hmm. He bought it. She bought it right away. Mm-hmm. Oh, Char- he's, I mean, he's, he's amazing charisma, charisma right? amazing. off the charts. And the, when he talks to you, he looks right straight looks in your right eye, right at you, and there is nobody else in the room. So you feel isn't that amazing? That quality, I know he has that quality. quality. Just you are the only one in the room, which is yeah. why he's always late. Uh, he's always late. Bill Clinton because he's buying shoes. She's Sean I King. Think he's buying shoes. He, no, he knows, <laughs> if he has an appointment at nine in the morning, his next appointment is ten. Mm. He spends so much attention on the nine oh. that his whole day runs late. Okay. We had him live on when he was running with Al Gore, and my producer at the time, Tammy, had to grab him by the collar and drag him to the set to sit him down because we're going on live. And Tammy was very tall and built strong. The Secret <laughs> Service froze. <laughs> she, she grabbed him by the neck, and they froze. They didn't make a move. They didn't make a move. But Billy, he's a wonderful, he's a, he's a wonderful person. I mean, he has his fault. Everyone has faults. Of course. No one is without faults. But if he ran again, he'd elect him. You think so? Oh, come on, the public misses him. Yeah. 
Mrs. And he'll Rosen. campaign for Hillary. And he'll, I wonder if if she wins, how he will do as the house how husband. How he fits in, yeah. He'll be great. First, first kidding? husband. He'll what, travel the world. Ambassador, yeah. Ambassador, yeah. He'll be. I remember Did, once he met my daughter, Kaya. And Kaya had graduated American University. Mm. And this was up at CNN in New York. 20 minutes he spent. We were taping, thank God. Or he would, would, wouldn't have made it. 20 minutes he spent with her talking about American University. He knew the president. He knew some of the teachers. Mm-hmm. He asked what were her courses. What was her goal in life? It was un- unbelievable. Wow. He just met this kid. <laughs> He's unbelievable. Did you ever interview a, a Kennedy, any of the Kennedys at all? I interviewed, uh, I interviewed Ted. Ted Kennedy? Uh, I, interviewed, I met Bobby, didn't interview him. I bumped into John's car. Rear-ended him. Yeah, rear-ended him. <laughs> what? He did. Hold on. You rear-ended Kennedy's car? Yeah. Great story. What happened? Uh, I was 23 years old, and mm-hmm. we were disc jockeys in Miami Beach. Mm-hmm. And uh, someone ha- I drove, but someone had a beat-up old convertible, and we'd never seen Palm Beach. What was Palm Beach like? <laughs> so we drove up A1A on a beautiful Sunday morning, not a cloud in the sky, and it was just a gorgeous day. And we're looking at all the houses. There's no houses on the beach in Palm Beach. So you got to look to your left. There, onto your right is water. So it's the Atlantic. So I'm looking up at all the houses. I'm going about 10 miles an hour. And on Worth Avenue, parked at a red light, is a guy in a convertible. Hmm. And I hit him. <laughs> Bam, I hit him. And uh, his, he gets out of the car, and he says, I never forget it. How could you do that? It's a beautiful Sunday morning. We're the only two people on the road. How could you hit me? I said, well, we were looking up at the houses. We've never been here before. I said, do you want to change license plates? He goes, no. But all of you, raise your hand. I'm Senator Kennedy of Massachusetts, and I'm going to run in two years for president. Swear you will vote for me. And we all swore. That was my... You're kidding me. My meeting with John. And when I told that to Ted, he laughed. <laughs> so technically, he bought your vote by not I like the fact suing, that he was right? schmoozing two years beforehand. See, well, first, she hits me on the wives. Now she's knocking John Kennedy <laughs> on no, buying votes. She, she never stops. The woman is a locomotive. She gets up late, but once she's up, man, it's bam, bam, bam. And when she gets a little... Humor I'll, I'll tell you something about her. When Sean gets a little angry, no matter what it is, it's my fault. In other uh, words, no. of course, you're the husband. If, yeah. if, 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 it's your role. Chris, that's so not true. Well, it's pretty much, the, yeah, it is. No, no, oh, hi, you've been in our house? <laughs> no, but I, I, I think wives kind of the same vibe, yeah. No, it's, and so then I think it's a man thing. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think you guys take it on. Women can say, oh, I cannot believe that the phones aren't working today. And but she's, looking, some stra- she's no, looking straight at you. I just looked up in the sky just now. That's what I did. So, <laughs> but I'll get that. They'll be on the road like in Europe or something. And my wife will call me. There's a cockroach in the bathtub. Why aren't <laughs> you right. here to kill it? <laughs> That's right. And it's like, I'm 2,000 miles <laughs> away. Just take a piece of paper. And say, this is just a boy job. It. We'll just move Everyone on. Everyone gets fried. We'll move we'll on. We'll get tired. On. So, so how long have you guys had your podcast for now? Six months, is it? No, not six months. Not even. Four months, three months. Yeah. Well, we're, I'm, I'm loving it. Who's been uh, one of your favorite guests that you've had? Oh, in that time uh, we've had a lot oh, of gosh, good. We're going to have you with, on. Well, well Martin fun. Short was our first. Oh, Martin, Martin Short. Mm-hmm. He's just great. It's so funny. So in funny. Canada, where I'm from, he's very polarizing. People either think he's like, geniusly funny or not. I think he's really? geniusly funny. Really? Yeah. Someone yeah. thinks he's not you funny. A lot of people funny. do. I don't understand really? it. I don't understand it. Well, he's a little hip for How? Canada. He'd be very hip for Canada. <laughs> 
you think? What you think? Canada's not hip. Some of us are. Some of us aren't. Really? Well, yeah. yeah. Well, Canada is not known as I, hip. I just think you know Canadians why? are so nice. <laughs> We're super friendly. Hey, what do you mean, Larry? Yes, you are super friendly. The problem is they're on the border, so and the country to their south, yeah, is much more well known. So people learn they, their television. They have good television, but most of the shows television. come in from the states. I like Canada. I love we Canada. Go, we go every summer. Do you know Lake Muskoka? What what province is it Muskoka. in? Muskoka. It's North of Ontario. Toronto. Is it Ontario? Okay. Yeah. I'm from the west of that. It's the oh, far west. It's so. a beautiful lake. These, a lot well, of there lakes. are three lakes. Lake Joe, Lake uh, Rosso, and, and, and that, Muskoka. That happens quite together. a bit, though, like down here. So are you from Canada? you know Dave from Montreal? Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like there's yeah, 30 million it's, people it's there. It's big. <laughs> it's big. Did, have you looked at the map lately? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty big. Larry, we're talking about uh, very charismatic people. Some of the people that you've had. I mean, I'm going through a big Brando phase right now. I'm sure you interviewed Brando oh, a few twice. times. Yeah. Charismatic guy, enigmatic, oh, unique. We had dinner weird. with him with Sean. He was a riot. Really? He, he eats but, off your plate if you have something yeah. he wants. We, we, we went, uh, after one of the interviews, we went, this was before I met Sean, and we went to, what was that place at Robertson and Melrose? Um, it was not, Chasen's. Not, not, no, no. Oh, across from Chasen's. It was. Uh, it wasn't Chasen's. It was. Uh, it it's where the Vanity Fair party used to be all yeah, the time. Yeah, it was across the street from that. Right. Anyway, where where there's now a clothing store. Mm. But anyway, right. no. It was a classic place. It, right. It was yeah. one of those places. So Brando went, and it was a, um, amazing. We were announced no one that he was going. Mm-hmm. He followed me in my car. And there were paparazzi everywhere in front of the restaurant. On top, they were in trees, taking pictures. We walk in, and he's ordering, eating food at every other person's table. Gloria Allred comes over and sits on his lap. He was, like, unbelievable. And then he was observing people as an actor. He says, see the maitre d', unhappy. He says, see the way he walks. See that couple over there? They don't love each other. How do you know? See the way he's looking? He's over her shoulder. Hmm. He's not. He's not looking at her eyes. Like I'm looking at my wife's eyes now, and I'm in love again. <laughs> Even though right now she's so mad at me because <laughs> I mentioned. No, the, I'm not. Yeah, you. Oh, no, because yeah. I mentioned. You. No, I'm. No, I'm not. <laughs> I want to tell you the honest truth, Jericho, and pay attention to this. I am, sir. As soon as we go into that hall, she will say. You had to say that. You <laughs> had to said, say that, you, you low freak. See, but this is what happens when you work with your wife, that you guys are always together. We know too much about each other, too. Right? Like, so we have that could, time, at home time, or like if he's at home and you're at work or vice versa, now you guys are working right. together and you're at home together. And yeah. You're traveling to, you know, Larry King Jr. picking you up. Like, everything is together. It's very, But we have yeah, territorial issues sometimes. Mm. Chance will call. She's talking to Chance. She hangs up. Why don't you put me on? He called me. Oh, oh he gets jealous. <laughs> but you don't get no, jealous? No. If if Chance calls you and wants to talk to you, he's calling you. <laughs> oh, I, I, I really crock. don't. No, that's true. <laughs> this but, is like a marriage counseling session here. <laughs> Do- Dr. Phil Jericho. <laughs> Dr. J. There's a thing called texting that you don't I do. Do you text? No. Come on. He just receives Larry texts. Don't text. I receive no. them, but I don't send them. No, what, no, See, what, my what, father was texting right now. Why? why yeah. Everybody texts. I believe in... Other listening to the other person. I like the sound of voices. Yeah, but that's I like fair. inflections. You, still you don't know. I don't know what a text means. You used to text. pick up the phone and call people. You bet. Right. 
Because that's the lost art. That's something that people are not doing anymore. It is. It, I agree, My Chris. phone. It's, Larry a has, phone. A flip has a flip phone, phone. from 7-Eleven. Yes. <laughs> what? Where the texting is ABC. That's right. One, D-E-F. Two, three. I don't text. Two, three. It takes I can't eight do that. hours But now do you find, we talked earlier about this, about the social media, how it's changed the world. People don't talk on the phone anymore. No. There's people that I've known for years that I just basically text. Yeah. And if you call them, sometimes they won't even answer. Just text no, you. No, that's when, right. When oh, yeah, Chance that, 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 that was, the was 14. Right before I walked in here. Right? Yes, my best girlfriend. She texted me and I called her back and she didn't answer. She texted she me back. kept texting, right. Yeah, like, when Chance was 14, he went with a girl for six months never saw each other. Just texting. <laughs> they met by texting and broke up by texting. <laughs> didn't know what she sounded like. But that's it's, it's amazing. Like Just since I started on the road, let's say 20 years ago, if you were dating a girl, say, I'll call you when I get to the hotel or I'll call you from the payphone on the road. Yeah, from the payphone on the, the pay road. Phone. Oh, that just brings back so many. Right? Yes. I called you on a payphone many times. Yeah, no. That I is... romanced her on the phone. No, but for those of you us had who to, remember She was hard to reach, too. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I mean, there, are, there are no more payphones. You can't find them. No, I mean, there may, might be some. Oh, you know what? There are some at Disneyland. I found some around a corner at Disneyland about a year ago, and I I, I took a picture and tweeted it because it was like Hotels finding don't. a dinosaur. Right, right, yeah, you, uh, Instagram, it's like, look at this thing. <laughs> yeah. Hotels yeah. don't have them anymore. No, no. they don't. No, no, uh-uh. no. Nothing like that. But they were handy. I see that was a good thing, payphones. That was a good thing. Yeah, and was collect that calls, just use a cell remember? Phone, though? What? Isn't it handy just to use a cell phone? Yeah, but sometimes it don't connect, and I'm in a bad area. You know, get the- <laughs> you know what the best thing is? Whenever you say something, you kind of complain, you get a real Jewish accent. Hey, that's it's right. a bad area, and I can't connect. <laughs> well, I, that's, that's, that's my tribe. That's I, my I, tribe. I, we complain. I, she does it. What well, are you going to do? She just, she's a Mormon, but she just discovered based on her father's side many years ago. We do genealogy. There was a Jew. And once I found out... Gottlieb. Once I found out that she had some Jewish blood, uh, I now trace the whole history of this relationship. You feel a little safer now, huh? Not safer. <laughs> you are totally Jewish. <laughs> Everything about... Except church. You're totally Jewish. You're a Jewish person. You're a Jewish critic. Except for... Except for Absolving your husband of all ill. <laughs> right, right, right. I do absolve you. That part of the of, of religion is gone. No, she's a big supporter of mine. I will tell you this: to my face, she'll drive me up a wall. <laughs> but if someone criticizes, yeah, she got your back. She goes on the attack. Oh, uh, she's vicious. Sean, I'm not vicious. She's not I'm vicious just... with anyone but us critics. Let me ask you this, Sean: You've been in show business for a long time. Have you ever met somebody, maybe since you started, uh, were married with Larry, or that you were starstruck by? Is there anyone that you always wanted to meet that you finally got a chance to meet over the last little bit, or was that, are you beyond that? You know, from the time I was little, a mm. baby, um, I I was around celebrities. So mm. celebrity, you know, actors and and singers Musicians. and all that. That was just that was our family business. Right, but. When I got into the politics side, where Larry really wooed me, he brought me in. I flew into D.C., and he was interviewing Yasser Arafat. So now all of a sudden I'm in a world that I didn't know. Mm -hmm. So I would say that, you know... uh, Colin Powell, what a great, sweet man, <laughs> hilarious. He used to call us up and tell us Jewish jokes. He was funny. I mean, just and like call, tell us a joke, hang up. Right. Just he call it Colin Powell. <laughs> she, we had, uh, we were invited. This is a nice honor. We were invited to uh, the birthday of Ben Franklin. Mm-hmm. It was a dinner at the White House. Only sixty people, six tables, ten at a table. Wow. 
She sat at Bush's table. Hmm. I didn't. Senior or junior? She sat. Uh, junior. Bush, Bush 43. She sat at Bush's table. He asked a question like, what are you reading? She said, keep a journal. I never, He never forgot that. And he told her that he listens to her record when he works out. Hmm. And now you don't get that every day right. as a citizen. <laughs> Another time, this also involves Bush. She can tell you the story. Laura Bush and I are doing an interview at Christmas. She's showing me the White House at Christmas. And for the last 10 minutes, George is going to come up and come on the interview. Mm. Sean is there with our two little boys. They were how old? Three uh, and two? Two and three. Both still, you know, they, they were in three-piece suits, though. With diapers. Di- yeah. With diapers. And she's downstairs. And both of them at that moment said, Mom, and they were just, No, they're going to call you were, up. They're ready to come up yes. to take. George well, is waiting. they're potty training. Mm-hmm. They're, they're potty training. And uh, right at the moment where they said, five minutes, both boys go, Mommy, I have to go number two, <laughs> not pee-pee. Yeah. I mean, I would have said, just go in your pants. Right. You know? They're going to explode. <laughs> but, right. Right. but I was like running around looking for, you know, bookcases uh, that would open right. into a where bathroom. And they, they were also at a stage where they had to take every stitch of clothing off. If they were going to go number two, everything goes off. Socks, <laughs> shoes, everything. Yeah. So imagine, I've got five Five minutes to get two kids going potty, and how do you say hurry? <laughs> <laughs> did you get it done? No, I did. Yeah. I See, did. And shed. I shook his hand, and I went it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> forgot <laughs> to wash it. I washed my the hand. The Secret Service had to find the bathrooms, right? Yeah, no, they were very helpful. They See, were and that's quick. the true superpowers of a mom. Like a guy could not do that, but a mom is like, get down to business. <laughs> I couldn't Done, do it. Finish. Yeah. I couldn't do it. I'd be panicking. Just leave it. Just don't don't do ten, it. Just hold it. Ten, yeah. minute, ten minutes later on hold the front it. portico yeah. of the White House, they're having a snowball fight. <laughs> was, were you ever starstruck by anybody? Sinatra. Sinatra. Only because I grew up standing online at the Paramount and Jackie Gleason got him for me and when he came and did an interview, and then we got friendly at the end. I did his last interview he ever did. Really? We were at his funeral. I wish Sean had met him. He would have had her record with him on a duet uh-huh. album. That was the greatest funeral ever. Sinatra? Sinatra? Why do you the say that? The casket was in the middle of the aisle. Mm-hmm. The, his piano player was playing all Sinatra songs as you walked in. We sat with Victor Moan and Nancy Reagan. Mm-hmm. It was an unbe- the, the eulogies were terrific, and the casket wasn't up front but in the middle of the aisle. And then as everyone walked out, they shone a spotlight on the casket and they played, Put Your Dreams Away for Another Day. Mm. It was a well-produced funeral. (laughs) (laughs) Sure star-studded as well, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was mobbed. There was paparazzi all across the street up on scaffolds. You you mentioned Nancy Reagan. What was Ronald Reagan like? I enjoyed him. I had some interesting times with him. Uh, Nancy's our friend. We've got to call her. I know we do. <laughs> but uh, I interviewed Reagan, talked about being shot and everything. And then one time, Nancy and Ronald Reagan invited me to join them for lunch at the Bel Air Hotel. Mm-hmm. And so I went to their house in Bel Air, and the Secret Service then drove us, the three of us, to the Bel Air Hotel. And we walk in, and a wedding is about to take place. And we became part of the wedding party. Hmm. And Ronald Reagan walked the bride down. I walked down with the father, and Nancy walked down with the the best man or someone, and we were all part of the wedding party. <laughs> and it was just so human of him. And then I never forget, when we ate the lunch, he had a hot fudge sundae, and he had two of them. 
and he just kept gobbling up. He loved that hot fudge sundae. Like sweets. And she was in the third row at his funeral. I was announcing outside. I was broadcasting. It took three hours to get from the airport to the funeral. She's inside in the third row, and I'm standing (laughs) sweating outside doing a broadcast with no commercials. The funeral was outside, too. Yeah, but you had a nice seat up on the... uh, Yeah, there was a nice breeze going through. It was... Man, and the, the stories that you guys have, it, it, it's amazing. I could amazing. think of this, yeah, you know? Sean. I mean, you could just sit here for hours. Uh, I know we've been talking for a long time. Larry. An hour we've been talking. An hour, I know. <laughs> um, I, I just want to ask you, I mean, I don't even know if you can even answer this, but of all the interviews you've done over 40, 50, 60 years. 58. Is there one that stands out or a couple stand out? That if I said, inter- what's the interview that you remember the most? What comes to your mind? Uh, too many. Yeah. Uh, but if I threw things out, would be Brando, Sinatra, mm. Mandela, Malcolm X, mm. Seven Presidents, Al Pacino. Pacino stands out? Oh, yeah. Oh, what a great interview. Yeah. And one of the funniest guys on the face of the earth, right? Yeah. Is Al Pacino funny? He's funny. He, you he, wouldn't he, think, you think of him as being kind of serious. Yeah. Kind of that He's a riot. dark, you know, heady Actory. Guy. Some guys are like that. They yeah, come out brooding. of the show. And, right, right, right. Yeah. We went to see him in Glengarry, Glen Ross on Broadway. It was great. And we all went to dinner after and he regales you with stories and <laughs> so many. He's just he's just funny. And he did a poem at our wedding party. Oh. He recited. Yeah. Did you ever uh, interview Michael Jackson? No, I, I spent time with him and I got honored by Jesse Jackson at a dinner, I got the award, and Michael went up on stage with me mm-hmm. to help present the award. I was with Michael at Mike Miko Brando's wedding at Michael's house. Oh, wow. And, oh, wait a minute. And you what? were with another man, right? <sighs> you were with the Mitchell. Yes, Larry. Wait, Michael it was Jackson. before I married you. <laughs> she dated, <laughs> a, she dated a small guy. I always called him the midget. with the midget? <laughs> he was a midget. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know why she liked him? Dominatrix. <laughs> <laughs> She got the whip out and he begged for mercy. <laughs> you guys are a trip, man. You guys are amazing. It's back and forth with Sean King. Yeah, put the right emphasis. I'm going to say back and forth with Sean King and very small letters plus Larry King. There you go. There you, go. you guys are great. Thank you so much. Thank hey, you, you, Chris. you are You're really. Terrific. You do a wonderful podcast. Yeah. Now you got to come on our. Podcast. I would love to. Will I would you? love to. Find, we'll find yeah, out all about to. you. I have lots of questions for you. Oh, here's the thing about a good podcast, and it's something that I learned from actually working with you. Podcast or an interview is not a history lesson. It's just a conversation. Yeah. Wherever it goes, it goes, and that's that's the best. Lesson. This has been amazing. It's been so much fun. So I gladly, I gladly reciprocate. Thank okay, you. Thank now you. now take them. <laughs> Boom! You're going down, Chris. Ow, Sean, let go. <laughs> okay. Thanks to the legendary Larry King and his hilarious wife Sean. They were great guests, and man. Talk about prestige for me by just having him on my show. Can you believe it? I mean, that's a Hall of Famer right there, man. A Hall of Fame broadcaster. One of the most legendary of his time uh, in history. And here he was on Talk is Jericho. I hope to follow in his footsteps someday. And I thank you. And even just the fact that he's married to like a, you know, a, a woman in her. She looks like she's in her 40s. She's probably in her 50s. Larry's in his 80s. Uh, good on you, Larry. <laughs> yeah. You, 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 you fox, you. Uh, yeah. Speaking of foxes. Um, I got nothing to say about that. I got no uh, segue here, but I do want to talk about Fozzie, which is almost like a fox. (laughs) I guarantee we will rock your socks off on the Slash Mini Tour. Starts May 18th in Chicago, 
21st in Austin, Texas, 22nd Beaumont, Texas, 23rd House of Blues in Houston, 24th at the Southside Ballroom in Dallas. Go to FozzyRock.com for all information on that. We got shows coming up in Iowa. We got shows in Montreal. We got a bunch of stuff coming up in Canada, mostly on the East part. And then, of course, uh, the big one, October 30th. We are rocking the Kiss Cruise. That's right. Fozzy got the invite to join the Kiss Cruise 5, October 30th to November 3rd, sailing from Miami to Jamaica. It's going to be huge. Jericho, Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons. I am excited, man. I'm going to have a, a, a fruity drink with Paul Stanley on the on the deck of the ship. Talk about Led Zeppelin, man. Talk about the Beatles. Cool, cool stuff like talking about Yoko Ono when I heard her pee. When I high-fived Paul McCartney, offered to be his pro security, uh, and he was like, who are you? Are you trying to be the security of the cameraman? I'm still not sure exactly what that meant. Lots of great episodes if you haven't listened over the last um, few weeks. Uh, the Monday Night Wars, Bischoff versus Pritchard. It's a must for any wrestling fan. It was amazing. The Bob Rock episode for Metallica fans and music fans was off the chain. William Regal, hilarious. Team Tiger Awesome with uh, Nick Mundy, my partner in crime on Nothing to Report. Like I said, do me a solid. Go check that out now. And do me a solid and do all of your shopping uh, online on the Amazon links and support my show, okay? You know how to do that. You go to podcastone.com. You click on the Keeper Podcast free banner at the top of the page. Eh? Then you click on the Amazon link and you can go shopping in the UK, the USA, the Canada. Eh? Every time you do that amazon kicks back a little cash to the show so we keep doing this for you for free for twice a week no extra fees or hidden challenges you're just getting your shopping done you're helping me out in the process okay thanks to all my great sponsors as well proflowers.com vegas.com ddp yoga true car and of course amazon okay don't forget as well thursday night after smackdown it's jericho versus stephanie mcmahon live with chris jericho returns on the wwe network i'm excited about it uh i got lots of big things coming up i'm not sure how many more live with Chris Jericho's I'll be able to do so check out Stephanie McMahon and then the next uh, couple weeks you're going to hear a lot of big big announcements all right and big guests coming up too I'm constantly tracking guests I've got so many shows in the can but I've got some of the greatest most influential funniest people on the planet lined up for all of you and uh, I don't know if this next guy on Friday matches up to any of those words I don't know if he's any of those things, but he is a huge star in the WWE that just returned to the WWE. I'm talking about Sheamus in his podcast debut, at least on uh, on the on the major podcasts. And don't email me or, or, or DM me or tweet me. And go, oh, he did a podcast in Glasgow in 2005. I'm talking about podcasts on the major level. Sheamus will be here to rock with you and tell you all the tales of how he came back to the WWE, how he got there in the first place. We'll talk about his great hairstyle as well, okay? Lots of stuff coming up. Stay hard, stay cool, be safe, be heavy, guys. You know I love you, man. I love to love you. You got that? Yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. 